Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to this Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Dr. Steve Shen, who is Technical Group Supervisor of the AI Group and Senior Research Assistant in the Mission Planning section at NASA Jeff Poulsen Laboratory in California. So how are you doing, Stephen? Dr. Stephen, how are you doing? Oh, very good. So tell me a bit about basically what actually you do in your job. Well, I head the Artificial Intelligence Group, JPL, and JPL uh, is the lead for deep space robotic exploration for NASA. So we uh, currently are working on the next rover that will land on Mars. It yeah. launches in about a year. We'll get there, you know, a few, uh, several months later. Uh, and there's going to be artificial intelligence on that rover uh, in two main things. One is to allow it to adjust its activities or schedule its activities if things take longer or shorter than, than expected. And the second is to actually process science data and sort of determine where to uh, deploy certain science instruments to, to, to fire uh, the SuperCam laser and, and to target the Pixel and Sherlock instruments. And I guess if it's going over a certain terrain and it's been there before, it knows where to go. Yes, so that's, uh, that, that would be the autonomous navigation yeah. software, uh, and there is, uh, I, it would be a little controversial whether or not that's AI, that's kind of at the edge of AI, yeah. uh, but yes, the, the rovers have very significant capabilities allow them to drive around obstacles, determine where it's safe for them to drive, uh, and that's a very important part of the rovers. And I guess you're planning for, to put man on Mars eventually. Uh, well, NASA, NASA is very interested in, in sending humans to Mars. That's a, quite a challenging endeavor. Uh, sending, sending humans to the moon is quite challenging, and sending humans to Mars, uh, the, the scale of the mission is much longer because it would need to be, you know, uh, on the order of a year or more yeah. and, uh, of humans in space, and it's very, very hard to keep humans in space. Humans are quite fragile. Yeah, I guess you might first of all think about maybe doing a moon base to prepare for that. Well, there are, there are many advantages to going to the moon. The advantages of the moon are mainly to practice the human spaceflight program in something beyond Earth orbit, which is something we haven't done for quite a long time. Uh, and the second is uh, to help develop some of the technologies and some of the processes that we would use for an extended human presence at Mars. And so, so the, there, the, it, it is a logical stepping stone. Yeah, because I guess over the years, I haven't been been to the moon for so long, people are wondering what's taking so long to get back there. Well, people forget that it's a, quite a large expenditure of resources yeah. to send humans to the moon. Uh, and as I said before, humans are, are very fragile. They require certain temperature, they require certain oxygen, they require food and, and, and all this you know, care and feeding. And that's why we've seen so many robotic explorations to you know, other planets. We've been to you know pretty much every planet in the solar system. We've been to some of them quite a few times, like Mars, and so that's uh, much easier to do robotic exploration than to do human exploration. I guess because if you using a human, it costs you more than a robot. Quite a bit more. Uh, it's not even close. Because yeah, also you don't have to wait for like six months to go from maybe from Earth to Mars, whereas with a robot. It takes six months, it's nothing, you have to worry about oxygen or anything else, or the things on board. Exactly. Yeah. And also, you can take more risks with a robot. Yeah. I guess with a robot, if something breaks down, it breaks down, you're not too worried because it's not a human person, and no one's going to cry, oh, someone died. 
Well, I would say people worry, but they worry at a different level. Yeah, because remember when the Beagle went from the, it went and people were worried because that went and then they had problems with that. So I guess yes. you guys have that worry as well. Absolutely. Uh, these space missions are, are expensive, so people want them to work. It's just like, you know, if you're in a car accident and, and someone might be very upset that their car is totaled, yeah. uh, it's a different level if someone's actually hurt. Because yeah, I guess if your car is totaled but you walk out of it alive and not a scratch on you, that's fine. But yes. when you got a robot that costs hundreds of millions of dollars and then suddenly you, you get no signal and something happens, yeah. you're thinking, have I spent all this time doing this research and this programming and, and get nothing out of what do we do next? Yeah. But when, when you ask you know, what kind of AI we're doing at NASA and at JPL, it's actually remarkably similar to the AI that you're seeing in businesses. Yeah. So in my group, we specialize in planning and scheduling which is our way of saying logistics. And so all of the logistics that are you know, done are all around the world, things ship, people shipping things everywhere, people producing things, manufacturing. Uh, there's quite a bit of AI being used there. Uh, some of it would go under different guise of other names, operations research. There's a long history of even such work in, in, in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, some very famous uh, work done at, the, at Cork. Uh, and so that is something which is very much shared in between, you know, the commercial world uh, and the tech world and NASA. Another one is dealing with large amounts of data. Some of these, you know, scientific campaigns we do, like in radio science, astro astronomy yeah. science, we generate all these large amounts of data and how do you make sense of it all? And so we're using all kinds of data science and machine learning techniques and we're right at the cutting edge of dealing with them. Uh, and we have particularly acute versions of that when we send these probes to faraway places, they can't send back large amounts of data. And so we need to figure out what's the most important data to bring back and, and how can the spacecraft know what to look for? And, and those are exactly the questions that we solve with AI. Yeah, I guess about 40 years ago, the technology that was used to send man into the moon and into space was like eight or 10K on a computer. Remember, nowadays you've got that on the phone, so it's easier for you guys in one way. Oh, it's even more than that, I yeah. would say. Uh, they didn't really even have proper computers. Yeah. So the, the rate at which computers have been growing has been unbelievable. And we have all these things on our smartphones that people couldn't have imagined 20 or 30 years ago. And so part of the goal is to bring those to the spacecraft. Not just the hardware. On my side, it's more the software. We're trying to bring the software applications up to the complexity of what you would see on the smartphone. Uh, it's a little different, though, because... It's a very much a niche application. You know, we're yeah. not we're not sending you know four hundred thousand rovers to Mars, and we don't have four hundred thousand customers you know clamoring for the next app in the in the app store. Yeah, I guess also with the size technology, you can shrink it down a bit, which helps. Yes, to some extent. Um, but the the kinds of computers that we can use on board the spacecraft. Uh, if one breaks, it's a much bigger deal than, yep. you know, if, you're, if your smartphone breaks, you're annoyed for a few days, but you go out and get a new one. Uh, if we send a rover to Mars and the computer breaks or we have a software glitch, it's a much bigger deal. So uh, we have to be much higher reliability. And so it's, it's much more comparable to the software that might run the power network of a country or a region or something like that. It has to be very high reliability and very secure. And I guess also with the, with this uh, when it's got to be secure, you got to make sure that it can't be uh, hijacked. Yes, and that's a that's a very big concern in the space industry, absolutely, and a very big concern in the AI industry as well. Yeah, because I, I can imagine if somebody was to hijack a, a and use it for alternative motives, it wouldn't it wouldn't look good for you guys? 
Uh, that that would be a pretty bad bad situation. Yeah, and if you had a scenario where somebody says we get control of your of your rocket, and we we're going to decide where it's going to go, you, that wouldn't that would think how can you guys spend billions on this, and you can't you can't look after it. Uh, yes, although for the rocket itself, that's less of a concern yeah. because the the rocket it's going pretty much where it's programmed. It's not really. I guess you could send a spacecraft into a different orbit or something, but uh, it's not clear what purpose that would serve. But but you're absolutely right. You know, if if I mean, you think of it as the commercial version. If a commercial company pays all this money to put up a bunch of satellites, uh, and someone else takes control of them, or someone else can use them, that's 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 not what they intended. And yeah, because so, I guess right now you've got people like SpaceX and and also the uh, I think is. The guys, the thing is, Amazon, and also uh, yep, you have um, Blue Origins. Yeah, yeah, you them coming in, and they're they're now working with you guys to put things in space. And because of that, you got to make sure that everything is working perfectly. Because it's not long when NASA doing it themselves. Yes, so that is one of the challenges. Yeah. Uh, so there's increased role for uh, commercial entities, yeah. and and not the traditional Boeing and whatever, but more what we call new space, and it's a little more chaotic. Uh, but I think overall it's a fantastically positive thing. I think we can, we can uh, all coexist, and I think the best uh, sort of techno ecosystem in space would have all of those entities. Would have national agencies, would have startup companies, uh, would have you know the traditional large companies, would have the unusual large companies like SpaceX would be yeah. an example. I guess now you're more open than 40 years ago when it was all enclosed. Now you open to new guys, uh, people coming in with new ideas. Well, I think it's changed for a few reasons. I think the primary reason is that the commercial space sector, they can see the commercial marketplace. Uh, that's why they're all going there. Yeah. So that's good. Thanks. So there are tremendous applications of space to remote sensing. It's used in agriculture, yeah. even things like you know vineyards, precision agriculture, mining, the, the commercial applications and the societal benefits that have come from space, particularly Earth observation, are unbelievable. So I guess one day you might see, like, uh, wine from space. Yes, absolutely. There's quite a few uh, wineries that are using remote sensing information in order to better manage their, yeah. their, their yields and the quality of their wines. Right. Thanks so much for that. Oh, you're welcome.